you know, some episodes are more fun than others. James Gladstone has really become a fast friend of mine. He is an amazing orthopedic surgeon, uh, specializes in sports medicine out of Mount Sinai in New York. We just have so much commonality in our, in our history of our education. Uh, he was born in Geneva, Switzerland, which is an amazing story, and spent 18 years of his life there and then came back. Uh, went to Dartmouth and went through the medical process and uh, uh, did an amazing uh, residency at Columbia uh, Tufts Medical School, where the two of us have very similar stories about injuries, about how we got into orthopedics. And then, of course, did a sports fellowship with Jim Andrews and Bill Clancy. He is a wise uh, old soul on this planet that just has amazing stories. Uh, I know you're going to love this episode. It is fun. It's entertaining. He is a great man. You're going to love it. Hashtag follow the fro. This episode of the Ortho Show podcast is brought to you by Trackable Med. You work like crazy, but you make less every year. You feel busy, but it's not with the procedures you want. The problem is you rely on referrals, which are out of your control. Maybe you've tried advertising, maybe a new website, but there are always questions. Is it working? Am I wasting money? How can you get more of the patients you want on purpose? Trackable Med. Trackable Med was born out of a frustration with an advertising industry riddled with a lack of accountability to actual outcomes. With Trackable Med, it's all about the results defined as something you can deposit into a bank account. Results are achieved through an approach rooted in neuroscience, advertising, web design, and even appointment setting patient engagement solutions. Everything is designed with purpose towards your goal and all with no contracts. Find out if accelerating patient demand for your practice with Trackable Med is a good fit for you. Visit trackablemed.com and click on free consultation. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where everyone knows we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. Today is no exception. We have the one and only Dr. James Gladstone, who's the Chief of Sports Medicine, Associate Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at Icon School of Medicine in Mount Sinai. Uh, he is uh, an, an outstanding orthopedic sports medicine specialist. And James, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Scott, the pleasure is all mine. I've really been looking forward to this. Well, we, you know, we dive in. We like, you know, Jim, Jim, we like to start. We like to get the history, but I think I have a little birdie that gave me a little bit of history here about what's going on with you. And I want to start because I think it's really fascinating. But fun fact number one is that you were born in Geneva, Switzerland. Tell yep. us about that. That's a really cool story. So so the 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 second fun fact is that both my parents we're originally from Brooklyn, New York. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, my 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 father was uh, a labor lawyer, working for a big um, one of the big law firms here in New York, and um, and was working was working for uh, essentially for the man, you know, for the corporations uh, against uh, against the workers, and definitely didn't like it. So he had this opportunity to move to, to Geneva to work for a branch of the UN, the International Labor Organization. 
Super cool. um, and uh, and specialized there as a labor lawyer. Um, so he took the job thinking that he'd go for two or three years and it'd be a fun way to check out Europe. And, and then uh, you, you got you got stuck over there for eighteen stuck, years. They, 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 yeah, he came back six months later, married my mom, and then uh, they lived out their lives there. That's um, that's amazing. So so I did my little bit of research too because I was concerned because you were born in Geneva, but if both of your parents were U.S. citizens, you know, prior to heading over, then you in your birth you can you are considered a U.S. citizen. Yeah, and and interestingly, um, I because my dad was a, an international diplomat, it apparently it's considered as if I was born in the United States. So I could actually run for president. Huh? Well, there you go. We still have an opportunity. <laughs> You're running out of time, but you know, so, so, I, someone's got to do it. Oh, dude, I'm voting for you. You got my vote. I'm telling you right now, I may have to be your campaign manager. We'll have to think about that. So what's great about you know, living in, in Geneva is that, you know, you must have been speaking English, German, French. And do you still have that? Are you still fluent at this point? Uh, uh, oui, le, le français, toujours. Uh, Deutsch, nicht sehr gut. Uh, je, me, je me parle le fro. <laughs> tu, tu as un beau fro. <laughs> of course, there is no such thing. Fro doesn't translate. So I think you have to say chevelu, right? Which is like crazy hair. Chevelu. Uh, that's awesome. I love it. Um, so so you, you grew up, but did you come back to the States? Because you, your parents had family in the, in Brooklyn. You must have come back on occasion here and there. Yeah. To, so to we, we would, um, you know, they, they, they would give my father what they called home leave. So every mm. every two years in the summer, we'd come back to the States and we'd... Uh, We'd spend time with my aunts and uncles either in uh, Great Neck, uh, Inglewood, New Jersey, or uh, or Houston, Texas. Yeah, no, I mean all yeah. sort of varying places, that's for sure. But uh, so along the way, I mean, so you must have been going. So you're you're going to like an American school or something over there. But your goal, I'm assuming, was eventually to come back and be educated because you decided to go to Dartmouth in 1980. So, uh, so you had to have at least, you know, studied and gotten done pretty good grades back in the day to get in. So were you excited about finally moving back to the States and being able to, you know, be here full time? I, I, I was excited at the prospect actually. And to be honest, I, I didn't have a, a life plan. I probably still don't. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I grew up thinking of myself as American uh, the, the high school I went to was about 30% American and otherwise kids from every different country in the world. Um, so that was a great experience. But but considering myself American, I wanted to experience uh, America. So, yeah, I always planned on going to university in the States um, and, uh, yeah, then ended up going as far north as I could. Yeah, well, Dartmouth is certainly up there for sure. We uh, we have a place in Queechee, so we're there all the time. But uh, yeah, all right. So basically, so but I don't see I don't see a doctor in the history here. Mom was a dental hygienist, but was there another doctor? I mean, obviously, you know, you didn't have any choices. You were either going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Why did you finally choose to be a doctor? Yeah, that um, I, I'm I'm not sure. I I still have a good answer for that. <laughs> um, as a kid, I hated the sight of blood, uh, you know, the queasy to the point of fainting. So I never imagined I could be a doctor. Um, my dad was a lawyer. So I went to college thinking that I'd probably become a lawyer. 
I did like science though. And I, uh, I majored in biochemistry. And then at some point during junior year, I, I, I started thinking about it and said, yeah, maybe, maybe I'd like to try medicine. You know, so I started working as an orderly at the hospital up in, uh, in Hanover. Kind of liked it, but still, still had cold feet. So when I, when I graduated, um, I, I put off going to med school and I, I actually worked for a biotech company. Interesting, because biotech in the 80s was like in its infancy, right? Yeah, n- n- yeah, absolutely. And 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 that was that was fun in, in, in many respects. I, I worked for Genzyme, which was in Boston. Sure. Still is in Boston. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and 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 obviously became one of the biggest biotech companies around. But at that time, um, there were others, um, Centacor, uh, Genentech. The, the ones out in California that were doing the, the real cutting edge stuff. Um, and so I, I did, I did basically sales and marketing product development for them for two years. So you're biding your time. And then finally you get your shit together and you say enough of this, <laughs> I'm going to medical school. I want to be the captain of the ship. You know, it was funny. I, I, I remember the, the, the exact day I, I got the, the opportunity, I think after my first year to start selling something. And it was this product that if you put it into a solution, it, it, it changed color and it would indicate that there was, you know, some kind of bacterial contamination. And it was called something like four methyl umbiliferal glucoid glucide. And um, I was on the phone trying to sell it to someone. And, uh, and as I was speaking to them, I realized, you know what? Really couldn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) I got to do something more, you know, more directly impacting people. (laughs) That's fantastic. So you decide. So then, so it's off to Tufts Medical School. You're now you're to Boston, which I love, obviously. And we have a little crossover here. Now I know the answer, okay, but um, but I want to know why you went into orthopedics because you're in medical school something happens to you in medical school with the person that i know well but you got to tell the story because we have we, this is crazy but you tell the story first and i'll tell you my story okay <laughs> so i i finished first year med school i go back to to geneva for the summer i'm working in a in a biochemistry lab there um and uh you know we're, we're having a lot of a lot of fun during the summer, doing all kinds of different things, we had a we had a party at my house, and a few friends got a little too out of hand. Sounds so like my cool. house on a regular basis. <laughs> That's fine. We keep it talking so, so to my I, kids. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pulling one of them off the other one. He falls on my foot. I twist and break my ankle. So the whole party party goes to the emergency room at the the University of Geneva Hospital. You know, people are having wheelchair races and that kind of thing down the hall. Anyway, I get put in a cast and I come back to for my second year of med school and I need to be taken care of by someone while I'm there. And so I, I connect with uh, John Richmond, who you know well, um, who is the, the chief of sports medicine there and, and just a, an absolutely wonderful guy in every respect. So, so this is exact. So let me tell you. So of course, J.R. Richmond is one of the iconic leaders of sports medicine. So I'm a, I'm a junior at Tufts 
And I'm playing lacrosse, but I decide to play the sort of fraternity intramural football game. I twist my knee. There's no MRIs back then. My knee's not doing well. Sure enough, I get carted into J.R. Richmond, who's the team physician for Tufts. Right. I think I think I was going to say if you had your, I thought maybe you and I were in the holding room together having surgery done on the same day <laughs> by J.R. Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> it could well be right. <laughs> so close. I mean, the, the timing is almost like incredible. Yeah. So I remember, like literally, I'll tell you know my interview for residency. They're like, you know, why do you want to go to Tufts? I'm like, well. JR scoped my knee when I was a junior and I've never looked back, you know? So same for you, right? Yep. Yep. So he, he took care of me and, uh, and I really liked him and his whole team and ended up connecting with him to do some research and then obviously do rotations with him. Um, and, and I, I still, I tried to keep an open mind actually, you know, going through third year clinicals, um, and, uh, and, I, I ended up, I really liked psychiatry um, okay. uh, and, and, uh, and, and I really liked OBGYN, but, but ultimately. Yeah. You and Brian Cole, Brian Cole just was, was torn between, between OBGYN and orthopedics. So you're the only two I've ever had that conversation with. So <laughs> you guys should definitely, uh, definitely hook up, but you know, look, you had, you had great people. Michael Goldberg was the chairman. There's Len Ruby and yeah, Bill yeah. Donaldson, all these people that I, cause I was there doing my residency, literally when you finished medical school and went off to Columbia to do your residency, I was starting my residency at Tufts. Right. We we're right. Like a, so, two years apart. So yeah, the two, the two guys, the two residents I really remember um, were uh, uh, Marty O'Malley. Yep. And, uh, and, uh, who, who was the other? Was Ken Levitsky, Ken Levitsky, Ken Levitsky, Levitsky. Exactly. Levitsky. He's yeah. down in Hackensack in New Jersey. Yeah. Yep. Love Ken Levitsky. Yep. Exactly. Marty O'Malley has just gave the second opinion for Mac Jones as our quarterback for the New England Patriots. So yeah, we had some really great people there. So that's great that you sort of remember those names. So this episode is brought to you by National Medical Billing Services. As the largest and most experienced outsourced provider of end-to-end revenue cycle management services, National Medical is an award-winning company that serves hundreds of ambulatory surgery centers, surgical practices, and anesthesia groups nationwide. National Medical Surgical Revenue Cycle Specialists, deep understanding of orthopedic procedures and numerous specialties help alleviate staffing concerns often faced by surgical organizations in today's marketplace. National Medical's managed care contracting team negotiates new and renegotiates outdated payer rates to maximize your reimbursement, while its cutting-edge workflow technology, proprietary processes, and analytics drive superior financial results for surgical organizations. Go to nationalmedicalascbilling.com to access National Medical's orthopedic case study and find out how a strategic partnership with National Medical can triple your annual revenue and increase your patient satisfaction in the process. For more information on how National Medical optimizes coding, billing, and reimbursement practices, visit nationalascbilling.com or call National Medical at 866-319-3271. That number again is 866-319-3271. Go to nationalascbilling.com today to request a complimentary revenue cycle assessment. Then in 1991, you you, you work hard and you do your thing and you're accepted to the Columbia Residency for Orthopedics in New York City. And uh, Plato was the chairman. 
And I'm thinking, you know, we'll go through it. I want to hear your yeah, experience. Ha, ha, actually, Hal Dick was the chairman. Oh, I apologize. Okay. Yeah. I apologize. So, I got but, that wrong. And, and 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 Evan, Evan was the junior attending to the Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Let's yeah. make, let's make sure yep. we got the we got our dates correct. And then I'm thinking when you were chief resident, was Bill Levine doing his fellowship there? No, because because Bill and I are the same year. I, I think were, were you and Bill the same year? Bill and I are the same year. Yeah. So we're we're, we're exactly all the same year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Got it. So, got it. So got we it. we crossed. I went down to Birmingham and he came to, to New York. That's it. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. So your your experience at Columbia must have been absolutely fantastic. Again, you know, one of the great orthopedic programs, residency programs, you know, with a, a rich history. Uh, was was uh, was Bill so Billiani was still there too, right? At that point, oh yeah, 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 sure. He was he was chief of um, the shoulder service, and it was it was right before he became chairman. He became the chairman. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Just a tremendous experience. And then you're you're I don't know, dude. You're exceptionally well trained. That's why most you know, people like you so much. I mean, then you go down and do your sports fellowship down with Jim Andrews and Bill Clancy, which had to have been again just an amazing year working with those types of iconic people. Yeah, no, that, that, that was incredible. It was a, it's a funny personal story. My, my, my wife grew up in Dallas, Texas and, uh, and, and did, definitely did not want to go, go South again. Um, she, you know, she does, she does a lot of work in Africa uh, when I met her, she went and spent two years in Uganda, moves back to New York, my PGY4 year. Um, and I'm going through my list and she looks at it, she goes, oh, I'll go here with you. I'll go there with you. I'll go there with you. And then, you know, Birmingham, Alabama, she said, I'm not going to Birmingham, Alabama. And, and then it came time to, to rank, you know, the night before rank, rank list goes in. And, and I said, I, I got to go to Birmingham. And she goes, I can't believe it. You, you, I come back from Africa to be with you. I told you the only place I wouldn't go was Birmingham. And now you're going to go to Birmingham. And, and it was, it, it's really interesting because I think people who are outside of the field don't really have a true understanding of, of what fellowship really is and, and, and what, it, what it can give you and what the whole experience is about. And it took her about you know, four or five months to, to understand it, you know, she stayed in New York, but she would come down periodically on weekends. And I think, uh, you know, about halfway through, she really got it. So it's interesting. So that so that makes sense for me now because I'm like, all right, you know, who who the hell needs to go back to New York City, like you know, to go back into the competition? Like literally, there's an orthopedic surgeon on every corner in Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm like, so. But you, you, I think but, there may be two. Right. There may be two per quarter. So, so it, that makes a lot of sense. You know, your what's your wife's first name? Katie. Katie. So Katie says, all right, you go down to Birmingham, but she's like, you're not staying down there. Where are you going to do? Where are you coming back? And you're like, okay, you're New York based. Let's find a spot in New York. And let's see if we can make it work. And you go to work for Mount Sinai and you've never looked back. You've been there for 26, yeah. 27 years, whatever it is. Yep. I I have a feeling I'm a I'm a lifer here. Yeah, no, at this point, I don't think you're going anywhere. I mean, <laughs> so so but let's talk about that because I think that's pretty interesting, right? I mean, 
there's no good competition of orthopedic surgeons in, in New York, right? They're just a dime a dozen. I'm just kidding. Everybody knows there's amazing orthopedic surgery in New York. But as a as you're starting, you know, granted, you you had amazing training. You had just finished an amazing sports fellowship. But the idea, the daunting, you know, possibilities of starting a practice in New York City, you know, it had to have been a harrowing experience about what, how are you going to get busy? How am I going to do this? There was no social media back then. You couldn't market yourself or advertise. I mean, so how did you do it for the young listeners out there? How did you start your practice and, and give us a few tips? I think you're absolutely right. And I think I was, I was a little naive, thankfully so. Um, one of my partners who's actually still here, I remember when I interviewed with him, he goes, you don't want to come here. You'll never build a practice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it, it, it really was pounding the pavement um, and, and, and just being around, being available. You know, Andrews used to always talk about the three A's, affable, available, and uh, accessible, I think. Um, you know, you answer the phone call, people, you know, I, I, I trained in sports. That's, that's all I wanted to do, but I, I knew you couldn't build a practice only doing ACLs and rotator cuffs when, like you said, there, there are, you know, a hundred other guys in the, and, and women in the, in the city who do it. So, um, you, you did pretty much everything. I think I, the only two things I didn't do was hand and feet, uh, and spine, obviously. Yeah, but, no, yeah, I, you, 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 and I visited everyone I could visit. You know, on the on the on the slower days, I'd walk down Park Avenue and knock on doors and say hi. <laughs> I'm 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 James Gladstone, and uh, I'd like to be out. a orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the crazy thing though is you you bring up a great point. I don't know. I remember I remember in fellowship people saying, "Yeah, you got to be willing to to sort of grunt it out for a while," and it takes about five to seven years to to build a practice. I think in New York it takes close to twenty. Yeah, I mean, I, one of my favorite Bill Levine stories is he tells the story of this woman comes in with folders like six inches thick, and she's like, "Dr. Levine, I just want you to know that you're my fifth opinion for my total shoulder replacement, and I'd like to know why you think you should do it." And so Bill's comment was, "Well." The doctor that you just saw before uh, actually designed that total shoulder prosthesis. So I think you ought to go and see him. <laughs> take very good care of you. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a tough market. But once you build that book of business, you get to critical mass. And then it just sort of, you know, it takes off on its own. And obviously, you've been there, you know, forever. And, you know, you just, uh, and you and I, we've connected late, which is interesting. I mean, I would have thought that you and I would have been buddies earlier on. But for whatever reason, we've become fast friends now. Um, I think that uh, we got to give a shout out to Allie Rushton. I told her we would do that. You know, the world's greatest my tech rep. Sorry, Greg, we love you too. Who's my rep as well? <laughs> He's listening as well. But uh, no, Allie gets a huge shout out. I know she's listening. And what was so? What's what's exciting you in sports medicine right now? Right, we've been doing this a long time. You know, we a lot of gray hairs on our head here, but there's got to be some cool new stuff that's really getting you excited. What is it? Yeah, I don't. You, you know, I think the one the one thing that keeps me going is I just I, I like what I'm doing. I, I really enjoy it. I, I and listen, I I love to operate, but I also love meeting people in the office and and yeah. you know besides just looking at their knee or shoulder, getting their stories and finding out about them. I mean, a little bit like like we're doing here. 
And I think that's probably why I always run so late in the office, but, but that, that makes it, that makes it fun. Um, you know, I, I, I love the, the two areas I, I really like a lot in, in, in terms of uh, clinical practice are both patellofemoral and, um, and ACLs. And so I, I love hearing about and, and, and looking at and, and tinkering with anything that's new. You know, so we talked a little bit about the, the new, the, the bear, the bridge enhanced uh, ACL restoration uh, product that's out there now. I mean, that, that's one of the newest things that's come about. I think, you know, in my whatever, 20, 26, 27 yeah, it's years. Pretty cool. Politics, it really is. It's innovative. Right? It's pretty cool. I, I mean, there was, you know, Freddie Fu and his studies on anatomic placement of the ACL. And then this, otherwise, a lot of the ACL stuff is, 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 has been the same for, for 20, yeah. 30 years. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you know, and then I think uh, for, for me, the patellofemoral joint is still a sort of wide open space in, in, in sports medicine and, and trying to get it right and, and, and figuring it out. It's, it's become a real intellectual exercise as well, which I, which I find a lot of fun. For our listeners, it's probably, you know, one of the most complicated joints in the body. I mean, if you take a look at the position of how it angles and the muscles that are pulling, and it's been a very difficult, you know, thing for us to figure out, whether it's patellar instability of dislocation or cartilage loss or arthritis. So it's nice. There's a lot of, there is a lot of cool new things happening around the kneecap now as well. And a lot of emphasis, you know, on that. Uh, with Gamal and Seth Sherman and, and the and the crew and James Gladstone, of course. Uh, so <laughs> it's great that that we're sort of refocusing on that. And then the bear, again, for the listeners, that's that new collagen implant that we can put in where the body can sort of grow a new ACL, which is really quite fascinating. So we're excited yeah, Scott, about that you just, too. You, you just showed me a couple of really cool MRIs six months out showing. I know, showing that, I know. That, that ligament like really grows. It looks, it looks good. I'm just saying. <laughs> yep. For those yep. that are, want to see it on my LinkedIn post, you can follow us there. But there's a couple of uh, really cool new MRIs that have come out. And even the naysayers are like, that looks pretty good. Um, no, for sure. So look, one of my favorite questions is let's roll the bean footage back. Let's go back to black haired James Gladstone. It's 25 years ago, you know, and you're thinking about where you are right now. What would you tell that young James Gladstone who's like only five years into practice? What would you do differently now as you see yourself where you are currently? Uh, you know, not, not, a heck of a lot. I, I, I think I'd tell him, listen, you gotta, you just gotta persevere. You know, th things happen and it, and it, especially in New York city takes a little longer than maybe you'd like, but they, they do happen. Um, uh, I think, you know, on a, on a, on a personal level, uh, I have two, two daughters, you know, in the, in the early years, um, I probably didn't spend enough time at home when, when my first daughter was very, very young, because that was right when I was starting my practice. And I, and, and I think, uh, you know, you, anyone going into medicine, probably any field needs to be cognizant of that sort of life work balance and what makes it right for them and, and having the right partner, uh, to be involved with. Um, I probably I'm, I'm involved with the U.S. ski team now, 
um, as well as the U.S. tennis team. Um, I I probably should have gotten involved with the U.S. ski team earlier on. You, you know, that's been a more recent development, and that was something I could have done. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, when 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 you're starting out, things can be a little on the slow side for you, especially you know when you've gone to these big residency programs, when you've gone to these big high volume uh, um, fellowship programs where you're just churning out cases. You know you want to get out of you want to get out of fellowship, start practice, and and just pick up right where you left off. And it 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 just doesn't happen that way is the reality of it for most people. So, so don't be too hard on yourself and, and take a little more time to, to sort of plan your life. And I think I was, I was in those days, probably a little too anxious to, to get going and, and, and be busier. And I'd spend too much time either thinking about it or chasing it. Um, when, when I could have, when I could have done a little more planning at the beginning and, and, and Dempsey Springfield, who was my chairman when I started at Mount Sinai, uh, who had come down from, uh, from Mass General, I remember him saying, you, you know, things are going to be, be slow the first few years and take that time, value that time and, and, and figure out a course for yourself. And I probably didn't do that well enough. Well, I know we have a lot of listeners from around the world. We have, you know, established orthopedic surgeons. We have medical students and residents. So I think that was really sagely advice you talking to yourself back in the day. And maybe now uh, some of our listeners can can heed that advice as well. I think that it, was, it wasn't easy, you know, when we first started, you know, back in the day, there were no digital x-rays. You had to physically go in and look at x-rays and make rounds. And a lot of the things that we take for granted now with our time and allow us to have more time outside of clinical practice weren't available for us for sure. But, uh, you know, listen, listen, James, I, I, I knew I was going to like this conversation as I was, you know, you and I have become fast friends and I was reading your history and I'm like, oh my God, we've got so much in common. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that uh, we greatly appreciate all of your time and energy over nearly 30 years in practice in sports medicine, being a true leader in your field and just uh, a kind soul and just a, a mensch. It was just uh, just really great opportunity to talk with you today. Thanks, Scott. Real pleasure. Yeah. And no, hope I no. hope I see you soon in person. Yeah, you will for sure. We'll make sure that you are my brother of another orthopedic mother. This is Dr. <laughs> Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.